All right, let's go ahead and get started. Father, I thank you that the Word of God is clear about physical, corporal consequences for doing what's wrong. And Lord, you chasten us because you love us and you have a goal behind it. And Lord, I pray that these times of correction for our children would actually turn out to be some of the most important times that we have as a mom and dad. And so, Lord, give us real wisdom in a world that is so messed up. Father, may we never discipline our children in anger, provoking them to wrath and bitterness. May we, Father, we're going to give a procedure. You know what I'm about to give. May the entire procedure be properly received and not a little point here and a little point there. And Father, I pray that the next generation coming up would have an obedient heart so they can hear from the Holy Spirit. So Lord, be with us now. And we pray that this will be, it's very practical. May it be very biblical and may it be very helpful. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Now, you know anything about this passage, you know that the Lord, the title of this lesson is Corporal Consequences for Children. Well, do know that the Lord uses this with us. Notice Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord hateth. He chasteneth, right? For whom the Lord loveth. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Okay, so the Lord gives corporal consequences to his children. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Hey, listen, you can't have a child that you're not going to correct. You can't have a child that's not going to have, they're not your children. If you don't love them enough to, to make them do what is right. Look at verse 9. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now listen to these verses. For they verily for a few days, they chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, God the Father, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Hey, 
Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, okay? This is the, probably the hardest part of parenting right now, what I'm going to talk about. But grievous, nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Hey, gang, everyone, look at the culture we live in right now. Look at what's happening in our country. We have an entire generation of people that were never told wrong and never chastened. And now they're all doing that which is right in their own eyes. We have an entire generation that's doing whatever they want because nobody ever restrained them. Nobody ever said, you do that again, this is what's going to happen. And we, I, I, we have got to raise up a generation of children. Now, we've got to do it in a loving way. And I want you to know that everything that I'm going to tell you, there's no way that the government can help. Can, if you do it the way that I say, this, the, the way that we're going to talk about here, it, it, in just a moment, you're going to be fine in raising your kids. By the way, can I tell you this? The aisles of Walmart is not where you raise your kids. The table at Olive Garden is not where you instruct children. I, I got to tell you, people are trying to parent out in public. That is not where we teach our children. We teach our children at home. And if we're not doing it at home, then we're going to have problems in the aisles at Walmart. And we're going to have problems at Olive Garden. And we're going to have problems wherever we take our kids. And we need to learn where and how to do it. So... I want to give you a definition of discipline because this is really good. Discipline is the training of the will to do what? What's your next word? Right. What is discipline? The training of a will to do right. A child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. You can't just let children do whatever they want to do. You've got to discipline their will to do what is right. Now, how do you do it? Oh, oh, Brother Schiller, that's easier said than done. Well, that's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. But let's talk about this for a minute. Discipline is the training of the will to do right. Now, it takes a couple elements. It takes instruction, and instruction is education and guidance, and it takes correction understanding and consequences. So if you're going to discipline a child in a will to do what's right, they're going to need two things. They're going to need instruction and they're going to need correction. All right, instruction is going to be how to do this, education and guidance. I'm going to show you how to clean, the, how to clean your room or, or whatever. I'm going to show you how to do this right. And then correction, understanding, hey, you realize what's going to happen if you don't do this and consequences this is what is you're going to get because you didn't do it so that you don't ever do it again i want you to learn from this instruction and correction okay how to give corporal consequences here we go number one clarify with your child what will happen if disobedience occurs, we're at the dinner table. 
And my youngest son thinks peas are more like BBs. And he starts shooting the peas across the table at his other brother. Drew. Look at me. Drew. Never again at this table will you shoot peas or any food off of your plate. Never will you do that again. And if you do, that will be a two-swat offense. Drew, do you understand what I just said? What did I just say? I cannot hear you, I'm sorry. Not to shoot food at anyone. Right. And what will happen if you do? I'll get a spanking. What did I say will happen? I'll get a sword. How many? Two. That's right. You shoot food again. I'm not yelling at him. I'm firm with him. You shoot food again at the table. And what will happen? Two swat. That's right. You'll get a two swat offense. That's right. And you go back and you start eating again. And you go back and you start talking about that. You got to clarify with your child what will happen if disobedience. Oh, Brother Shiller, I got teenagers. Okay? This is what will happen if you don't get your room clean. If you don't get the lawn mowed, you're not taking the car out. If you don't get in by 10 o'clock, you will not go out next week. What did I just say? If I don't get in by 10 o'clock, I can't go out next week. That's right. You make sure you clarify with your child what will happen if disobedience occurs. I'm telling you something. You deal with this right. This will take care of almost all of your problems. Now, when they're little, they're going to test you to see whether or not your yay means yay and your nay means nay. But once you start, they know you mean, your, you, you mean what you say, your problems are going to be so much eliminated. Clarify with your child what will happen if disobedience occurs. Number two, it will create security for the child. They have boundaries. Now, I've got to tell you, you cannot have a child that's not going test its boundaries, okay? If you put a wall up, they're going to definitely go to that wall and see if it moves, all right? So don't get all bent out of shape as a parent because, boy, my kid's got such a rebellious heart. No, no your kid is a kid, okay? And if you put walls around them, they're going to test those walls. Don't be upset with that, but do know that those walls is what really produces protection. Okay, so let's go on a little rabbit trail for a moment, but it's the coolest thing in the world. Israel's in captivity for 70 years, okay? All of Israel goes into captivity. They come back in three groups. The first group that comes back is Zerubbabel. He comes back and he rebuilds the temple. When he comes back, they rebuild the temple and they start worshiping God and they have revival, right? They got the temple built. They got revival, right? No. They don't have revival. So, because you can't have revival just with a building. You got to have a what? You got to have a preacher. So another group of people come with a guy named Ezra. 
And Ezra brings back another group of people, and he begins teaching the word. So they got the temple, and they got Ezra the preacher. Now they have revival, right? Now they got revival. They got a, the temple, and they got, they got a preacher. They No. A third guy comes by. His name is Nehemiah. He comes back with a group of people. What does Nehemiah do? Does anyone know? He builds the walls. He builds the walls. Now Jerusalem is protected. And do they have revival now? Yes. Is that interesting? They built a temple, no revival. They got a preacher, no revival. They put up walls of protection, they have revival. Now let me tell you the point there is. I think we are so anti-protection that we don't have it. Our kids do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. They got stuff going on in their bedrooms right now that they should never, we're not protecting them. And we wonder why their attitude, we got to start putting some walls of protection around them. There's got to be some perimeters around our children. So I know that was a little rabbit trail, but I'm telling you, it will create security for the child to put some wall. No, you will not do that. No, you're not allowed to wear that. No, we don't watch those things. That creates security for the child. Number three, it gives them personal, everybody better get this blank, personal responsibility. The lacking thing in our culture today, responsive, nobody's responsible for anything. It's everyone else's fault. But when you begin to tell them this is right and this is wrong, and this is what will happen if they do wrong, you're building personal responsibility in them. Ooh, that's such a good thing. Number four, say what you mean. And mean what you say. None of what I'm going to tell you today is going to mean a hill of beans to your kids if you don't say what you mean and mean what you say. And if you haven't been doing it, you go home today, you sit down with your kids, and you ask them to forgive you. And I'm serious as a heart attack, guys. You sit down with your children and you ask them to forgive you. Because I've been, we've been telling you to do things and we haven't backed it with anything. And I just want to tell you that I, I ask you to forgive me. I have not been a good parent, but I want to tell you something. I am going to really work at meaning what I say and saying what I mean. And I have not done well with that. And I ask you to forgive me, but I can, it's really caused a lot of problems and it's been my fault. But we're going to go in a different direction. And I'm telling you, that's what, that's what I would do. Number five, question the child that they understand. Have them repeat the command to you. We kind of went over that already. Number six, be in complete agreement with your spouse. It's not going to work if mom has a different set of rules than dad. You guys got to be in agreement with that. I want to talk a little bit about more about that in the last session, so we'll keep moving. Establish spanking offenses and policies. All right. I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you exactly how we used to spank our kids in just a minute. But we had established spanking, we would say that's a three swat offense. That's a one swat offense. You do that. By the way, I'll mention this again in a minute. But I'll tell you what we did. We doubled it if they what? Anyone know? If they what? 
No. If they lied. If they lied about what they said they did or didn't do, we've doubled the SWAT offense. Did they ever break it then? Sure, one time. I, I will tell you, we did not have a problem with dishonesty with our kids because they knew that if they got in trouble and they lied about it, that it would be double. And they knew we would do that. And it's like, it, they, 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 they tested it and they lied and they got double and they go like, okay, we're not gonna do that again. Okay, we may, I may get in trouble again in my life, but I ain't gonna lie about it because it, it definitely is not worth it. And that is the whole point of the corporal consequences is that sin isn't worth it. This isn't worth doing wrong for. Do I want to do wrong right now? Yes. Do I want to shoot that pee again? Yes. I want so badly hit my brother with this again. But it's not, everyone together, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And that's how you begin to train the will to do what is right. Ooh, boy, such good stuff. Be in complete agreement with your spouse. Establish banking offenses. Okay, now here we go now. Here's what I did. Number one, get blank with your child. Anyone have a clue? Anyone have a clue? Get alone. Get alone with your child. This is huge. All right, by the way, we got some verses we got to... Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember what I gave it. Read, me, read the verse that I, I did. Now listen to this verse, okay? Listen to this verse. Okay, hey, by the way, little, little, uh, because it's part of the verse, though. Does anyone know what the old King James word betimes means? Read this again. Read this again. Raise your hand if you know what betimes is. Listen to this. Does anyone know what betimes is? Yes. That is exactly correct. The word betimes means early. So I think it can have two interpretations and both of them are, are biblical. One is early after they make the offense. Okay, so in other words, especially if they're, they're small children, you can't correct them four hours later if they're small children. You got to correct them betimes, early. But I'll tell you what I think the biggest thing is. Early in life early in life now if you ask me oh because they always ask i think for most this isn't okay there's no bible verse for this but everyone always asks so i'm going to give an answer i would say at about 18 months is what we're looking at could be a little earlier for some not too many it could be a little later for some i would definitely say by two years old though whoa that you are doing this betimes. Now listen, this is the big, think about what Satan has done in our culture. They said, well, if you're going to spank your kids, you can't spank your kids till they're older. That is totally unbiblical. The whole point is, you do it when they're little, you don't have to do it when they're old. Guys, 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 I got three sons. Our, my three sons are no different than anyone else's boys. 
did, did your boys do bad? Yes, my boys did bad. Did your boys have like sometimes a little bit of rebellion? Yes, my boys had a little bit. Did, did your boys lie? Yes, not too often, but yes, they, they did. Everything that my boys did, that your boys did, okay? But I got to tell you something. I could count on two hands how many spankings I gave those three boys combined after, after age eight. You got to be kidding me. I very rarely spanked my boys after eight. I, I, we, I, I'm telling you, I don't think combined, the three boys got 10 spankings after eight years of age. You know why? Because we did it betimes. Now, they would get 10 spankings in a day sometimes when they were two and a half years old. But we didn't wear out. We didn't give up. And I got to tell you, by the time they got to be five, six, seven years old, we had very little problems with our kids because we did it betimes. I want you to read that verse one more time and real loud. I want you to read that verse one more time. You've got to do this early. Number one, you've got to get alone with your child. So here's what we did. One of the boys would do something wrong. Boy, by the way, I got a little bit of a temper that I've had to, it's generational sin that I've had to take responsibility for and say, you know what, that temper, that Shetler temper is stopping with me. But I'd get angry at my kids. I'm not telling you I didn't. And I would say, Drew, Ben, right now, back to the bedroom. Go back to our bedroom right now. Now, I had them go back there and sit and wait. Why? Two reasons. Why? Go, no, you say it. Go ahead and say it. It's okay. For who to cool off? For me to cool off. Yeah. But why was it also good for them? Yeah, they had to think about what they had done. Okay, so it was a good deal. But there were times I was really upset, and I could have disciplined in anger. And, and, and I said, Ben, get back to the room right now. And there's a couple times, Ben, you go to this room, Drew, you go to this room, okay? Not too often, but there were times, when, you know, I don't, I don't ever remember where all three were in a different room waiting for a spanking. I don't remember that, but it could, it could happen, I guess, you know? But, uh, but I'd always have, and then I would go in alone. Now, that was an amazing thing because the other two boys are thinking about what's going on back in there. And you know what? I felt it was a very personal thing, and I think that's the way God disciplines us. I think it's a very personal thing. And you know what? So I, I would send the one in the back, and they would have to wait. It cools me down. And when I go in the back, by the way, when I came out of that room, and I'm going to tell you what we did, but when I came out, the other two boys were like what? Oh, they were like angels. Okay, so my wife's a kindergarten. But you got to know my wife. She's just amazing. But I can remember a few times in our marriage where she said, Jim, one of the boys need a spanking. I don't care who it is, but one of them needs a spanking because the rest, and it, it just changed the whole spirit. It just needed to be, somebody just needed to, we just needed to get cleansed. Everyone's just, ah, somebody needs a spanking. I don't know who, but someone just needs a spanking. And it, it, because when we would come out, the other two were like angels. Because it's like, they don't want to do, I don't want to go back in there again. I don't want to go. Okay, so number one, get along with the child. Number two, oh, this is so important. 
do as much teaching and correcting at home as possible. Now, I know you can't just do it all, everything, but I'm telling. Okay, Dr. Shellett, you mentioned Olive Garden. Why did you mention Olive Garden? Okay, I want to tell you. One time in the three boys growing up, we're at Olive Garden, and Ben was fooling around, and we were out with other people, and Ben was fooling around. I got his eye. I said, don't do it again. You will get a spanking if you do that again. Well, it's not four minutes later, he did it again. And I thought, well, we could deal with this at home, but I think we need to do it right now. And I had him go out to the van in Olive Garden, and I spanked him. I had to never had to do it again with Ben, Luke, or Drew. Once they realized that Dad would actually go out, never did we spank our children in public. Never did I spank my children on their hands, their face, their neck, their arms. I never slapped them. And I'm going to show you. We are, now, there I used the belt. But we always had a paddle. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But never were our children slapped, hit in front of people or by themselves. I never used these as the form of the concept. We always used something else. I never wanted to use my hand. I never did. Merrily never spanked with her hand. And I never spanked with my hand. And we never spanked. Um, except for that place of our anatomy that God prepared and God, and, and God made. Okay, so number two, do as much teaching and correcting at home as possible. Number three, separate them from other siblings. I think that's so important. Number four, take them to a quiet room, possibly your bedroom. That's what I found to be good. Okay, so what did we use? I don't don't understand the numbering here. I don't. Get, I don't know if yours is like that or not. But my, I don't. Uh, Anthony put it together, and I really appreciate Anthony, or we wouldn't have these. But uh, um, I don't know if I didn't make my numbers clear or whatever. But here goes. Number one. Well, I got number one. We always used a paddle. Now, when they were little, we used the paint stir things, and then when they got a little bit older, I made a paddle, and it was pretty long. It had a handle on it, and I drilled holes in it so it'd go faster. I, I, we always had a paddle. Let me tell you something. When they, when they got, very rarely did I ever use it. We, could, we had it sitting over by the fireplace. There were times at the dinner table, all Marilee and I had to do was look over at the fireplace. That's all we had to do. We just looked over at the fireplace. It took care of the problem. If you do, you talk about human, humane. How humane? We never even... We didn't have to yell at him. We didn't have to scream at him. We didn't have to tell him 15 times. Mary Lee would look over at the fireplace, and that would take care of it. They'd stop doing because they knew what would happen. Um, one year, okay, so one year, I threatened to take the paddle on vacation. That was like, ooh. One year, I took the paddle on vacation. My wife will tell you this. Best vacation we ever had. Did you use it? That one. We didn't use it once. We didn't use it once. But that they knew that that paddle was in the van. That's all. That, 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 I'm telling you, what is that? That is so, so we had a great vacation. We had so much fun. They knew their boundaries. Use a paddle. Okay, here we go. Number two, wood of some sort, not your hand. Uh, paint stirs we, we used when they were little. 
Use the same one as much as possible. I think that's very important. Use the paddle on the part of their anatomy God made for such things. It was only the bottom. It was only um, their buttocks that we ever spanked. That was it. We never spanked them any other place. And you know what? There may be blueness. Um, what verse you got? Go ahead. Oh. Yeah, read that. What's the verse before that? I think that's the verse I want. Yeah, no, no, that's not it. Read, read verse 15 again. Read it real loud so they can all hear this. This is good. Yeah, I'm telling you, that is so true. And then who's, and, oh, listen to Proverbs 20, verse 30. The blueness of a wound cleanses away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Okay, so I was a superintendent of a Christian school. And we had a couple teachers, not many, I think three in the seven years I was there. We had a few teachers come to me and say, hey, there's marks on Billy or there's marks on Sally or, or whatever. We reported those. Those were on their, their arm, their neck, and, and we reported it as child abuse. Because it is. It is child abuse. But I'm going to tell you this. That the bottom of your child may have a little blueness once in a while. That's good parenting. That's good parenting. And the Bible says that. There will be, I cannot tell you that there was never a little bruise on the bottom, there weren't wounds or anything like that, but there was some blueness sometime. It, it was in the right place, and that's good parenting. You find those marks anywhere else on that child, that ch you need to report that. That is absolutely, I absolutely believe that. But the blueness, I mean, the Bible says, the blueness of the wound cleanses the way evil. So do stripes, the inward parts of the belly. They're not going to get it if, if, it didn't, if it didn't hurt them at all. They're going to do the same thing. It, wasn't, it, it, it was more worth it to do the sin um, than, than that. Never touch your child while you are out of control with your emotions towards them. Never. Never touch your child. Okay, so send them to a room to think about what they have done and for you to calm yourself. Cool, calm, and collective. Never emotion leaking through. This is so good. My wife was great at this. I wasn't as good. You can see that I'm more of an emotional guy. You know, there were a couple times I came in and I said, how in the world could you have done this? What in the world's wrong with you? Okay, that is not the way you do this. Okay, and I learned that. And I, you know, and I had to learn some things too. Marilee was a kindergartner. A kindergartner. She was a kindergarten teacher. And she did it all with her voice. She never yelled at the kids and you could tell when my wife was upset when she actually spoke quiet and when she starts speaking quiet that's when you better start listening because the and and you go in the back and you're not emotional about taking your pants out i can't believe you did this again i'm so tired of no it's very methodical why are you getting the spanking i don't know do we need to give you double? No. Why are you getting this big? Because I took the toy away. 
You took his toy away. What else did you do? What else did you do? I pushed him. That's right. You pushed him. And you didn't share. What does that mean? <laughs> That's right. How many swore? No. That's right. It's two swats. Pull your britches down. By the way, the number wasn't much. But I spanked them. I mean, I didn't hold back. I spanked them. And, it, and, you, know, and you know that statement, it hurts, this is hurting me more than it That was tough. Oh, man. Oh, I just felt terrible. But I knew, if I don't do this, we're going to have problems forever. You know what I believed? I believed that I would always love Ben, Luke, and Drew. I just wanted other people to love them. You know what I just said? I knew that I would always love Ben, Luke, and Drew. But I wanted other people to love my sons. And I know that if I don't take care of this, no one will ever love my kids. Because my kids will be wild animals. They won't be respected. They'll be hated. No one will want to be their friends. No one, they don't lose any kind of control. I knew I would always love Ben, Luke, and Drew. I just wanted other people to love them. So I knew what I had to do. I knew, and it was, man, it was hard. Never touch your child. Send them to a room. Cool, come. They have done wrong, and there's a penalty. They're, that must be the focus. Not, you've shamed our family. Oh, get out of here. What is that kind of stuff? That's emotional abuse. No, you did wrong. It's a two-swat offense. It's a three-swat offense. Here's your punishment. Don't do it again. Okay, listen to this. They must not fight you. They cannot fight you or become defiant during the consequences. They cannot fight you. Double the amount if they lie. Double, I think he missed the word there. Double the amount if they lie. Stay steady. Don't quit. You are bigger, smarter, stronger now. You better deal with it now. Okay. I am speaking at the Bill Rice Ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. My son, Ben, is my oldest son. He was a pretty good kid, man. Luke is our special needs boy. He's a slow learner. He has some me mental deficiencies. He was a very easy kid to raise. He really wasn't. And then came Drew. Okay? And Drew was the strong-willed one, you know? And uh, Drew's about 18 months old. So I've already had two. We've already been spanking our two kids. But this 18-month-old Drew, the strong-willed one, whoa. We're at the Bill Rice Ranch, and we eat together with the rest of the staff. So it's like Thursday of the week. Every day we had a problem with Drew and eating the food and, and the whole nine yards. And just a big scene. And there's, you know, you can always tell when you're on a plane, you can tell when a kid is, is screaming because of the air pressure, and you can tell when a kid is screaming because he's angry. You know that angry's cry. Like, okay, this, this kid ain't got a problem except for his will and his anger. Okay, so we were having one of those scenes every day at the ranch, at the, at the cafeteria. Dr. Bill Rice III is the, is the camp director, and he comes over and he sits down. This is a life-changing moment. I told Drew, I, I can't, I mean, I can't tell you what kind of kid Drew, got, man Drew is today. 
I mean, he's one of the godliest men that I know. And not just because my son. I mean, he is one of the godliest men. But I want to tell you something. He was my strong-willed kid, and he was a tough one. Dr. Bill comes over and sits at the table, and he says this. He says, Jim and Marilee, would you allow me to tell you something? And we said, yeah. Do you mind if I tell you something about your son? And I'm thinking, ooh, boy. Yeah, go ahead. He says, can I tell you this? You are bigger, you are smarter, and you are wiser than your two-year-old. You better do something now. Because one day, he's going to be bigger, smarter, and wiser. You better do it now. You do not have control of his heart right now. He's got control of you. And you better do something quick. Wow. That was life-changing. We did not have to do that with Ben and Luke. We didn't have that struggles. But Drew was, and you know what? We left there that day. We went back to our cabin. We prayed. And we said, you know what? We're not going to let them get away with this. Because we're bigger, we're stronger, and we're smarter. we got to deal with it now. And I'm going to tell you, if you've got a kid, and they're a little one, now i got a feeling we got a lot more older kids in here. But you've got to deal with that early. But times is the absolute key to that. Okay, so they came in. Have them tell you, look at this now, have them tell you why... They're getting the consequences before you administer them the spanking. I never spanked one of my boys without them telling me why they were getting the spanking. That's huge. Listen to this. I was dean of students for five years at West Coast Baptist College. I never gave demerits to anyone at college without them telling me why they're getting the demerits. I never did that. I think it's very important that they confess. I think it's very important that they acknowledge and admit what they have done wrong. That is a very important part in correcting your child because they're really not going to ever learn anything if they don't know that they've ever done anything wrong. By the way, again, we got a generation that doesn't blame that blames everyone else but themselves. Why are you getting this spanking? They need to tell you why. They're getting that spanking. That is so important. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, have them tell you. Number two. I, I can't figure out these numbers. I don't know what Anthony did last. I think Anthony just had a newborn, and he just I, he did my, my sheet, and I love what he did. But I don't, I don't understand the numbers. At all. Do you have all these numbers on there? Like, is this a one in your sheet? Okay, I, I have no idea. But anyways, they're all good points. Here they are. Pray with them at the end. Have them confess to the Lord their sin, ask for forgiveness from them, get specific, not general. Now look at the next statement. Leave the offense in the room. It's over when you both walk out. This is why I'm not for this timeout stuff. This is why I'm not for these grounding. We didn't ground our kids. We didn't do timeouts. We spanked them. And then they admitted what they did. They asked God to forgive them. They prayed. When they prayed, I'd give them a big hug. They'd give me a big hug. I would point to the door and I'd say, hey, Luke, 
You walk out, it's over. It's all done. It's over now. You got your punishment. You ain't going to do it again, are you? We walk out, it's over. Let's live life. I think that is so much more loving than grounding kids for two weeks, and after three days, they have no idea why they're grounded. They don't remember why they grounded. I think that's very inhumane. We got it taken care of. They know that they, they can't do that again. We prayed. We hugged. They walk out. Let me tell you something. We're sitting at Christmas two years ago around a Christmas tree with Ben and his wife, Drew and his wife. Luke isn't married. He probably is going to live with us all his life. And, and their wives and, and a, a couple of little kids. And of course, they're just little babes at, uh, two years ago. And we're sitting around the Christmas tree and we're talking about children, childhood memories. And we, we just talked about everything from what we ate to vacations we took. And Drew has got a tear in his eye. And he says, you know what? I think my favorite childhood memories are, hey guys, and they never had talked before. When we got spanked, what did dad do? And they said, he always prayed with us. And then what did he do? Give a hug, yeah. And then what would happen? And they never had compared notes before. You know, they'd never compared notes before. Dad would always point to the door and say, it's over now, isn't it? It's over. And Drew starts, got tears going down his cheeks. And Drew says, you know what? Dad, thank you. Thank you for loving us that much and leaving it in the room when it was over. And we would walk out and we felt clean. We felt clean. And we didn't want to do it again because we knew what would happen. But we also felt that was like the closest I think I was ever to you, Dad. Those are some of the, he's saying, these are some of the best memories. Getting spanked. If you do it right, if you do it right. And I, and I got to tell you, that meant so much to me. He's going to do that with his kid. He's going to, man, with those kind of experiences and those kind of memories, he's going to do it with Ryder and Hunter. He's going to have the same things. Pray with them at the end. Have them confess it to the Lord. Leave the offense in the room. Foolishness is in the bound of the heart. Now, you got a verse. Read your verse. What's the next verse? No, that's not it. That's not it. Okay, read that verse again, because that's a really good verse, but I'm not finding my passage here. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a tough thing, parents. It's tough when your kid starts crying. And you're just like, oh, but you you, you gotta do it. If you love your child, you gotta do it. And and you'll be rewarded. Now, somebody find this passage. How much time do we have? Oh, we're done now, aren't we? It's twelve o'clock. Where is that passage that says you spank them and you spare their, their soul from hell? All right, oh, I got I I can't believe. I think I had it on my notes, but it wasn't typed in. But I think I can make this happen. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. Look up. Proverbs 23, 14. Look, everyone, look up Proverbs 23, 14. This is the coolest thing in the world. 
And I think we, we are starting to preach a different gospel than what the Bible. Everyone, 20, uh, Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Listen to this. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Listen to the next verse. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. How does that work? Okay, you don't spank somebody and they go to heaven, okay? How do you deliver a child's soul from hell by spanking them? What, what is this teaching? Yes. You're teaching your child that there's consequences to sin. How will that deliver their soul from hell? That is, okay, you, you got the first part of the right answer. They are learning that there's consequences to sin. Can I ask you a question? Why did you get saved? Why did you get saved? Why did you... Okay, I'm 12 years old. I came from a Catholic background. I got saved in Kalamazoo, Michigan. November 8th, 1969, I trusted Christ. Jim, why did you get saved? Fear of what? Going to hell. I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew I deserved the punishment of hell. And I believed that Jesus Christ took my place. And I wanted to receive the one who took my punishment. Are you with me? If a child's never been punished, how can they even understand the gospel? Now think about this. Stop for just a moment. If you never spank your child, how can they understand that Jesus took their punishment? What punishment? They've never had punishment. How can they understand the gospel? Well, they can accept Jesus so they can have a better life. Yeah. And that is the gospel we're preaching today. We are preaching a different gospel than is taught in the Bible. We get saved because we're sinners and there's a punishment for our sin. Separation from God for all of eternity. But if we've never experienced consequences from our sin... Why would we ever care to get saved? What kind of Jesus are we receiving? Are we asking the Jesus who died on the cross for our sins to be our Savior? Or are we asking the Jesus that could maybe help my marriage? Or the Jesus... You see, this is very important here. Why does the Bible say you'll deliver their soul from hell? Because they understand if you do wrong, there's consequences. And now I've just found out that somebody took my consequences, Jesus. And I want Jesus to be my Savior so I don't have to have the penalty of going to hell. The gospel, you know what? Today, gang, the world doesn't need to get saved as badly as it needs to get lost. Now just think about what I just said. <laughs> How can somebody get saved if they don't know they're lost? How can you got to know that there's a punishment for sin? That there's a wrong that you have done and you deserve help for the wages of sin is death. We got to go eat some soup. 
But I'm going to tell you something. I, I mean this. You've you got to understand how important it is to correct your children. But there's a way to do it in a biblical way of love, and it will make a difference.